Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes podcast here on Racing News Now. I'm Garth, that's Tyler. How we doing now that the uh, Daytona 500's in the books and and your boy is now a Daytona 500 champion? Have you come down off of Cloud 9 yet? Well, I mean, I guess I never really got to experience Cloud 9 since I didn't get to watch the race when it happened. But, I mean, it, it's a really cool win. I'm really happy for Byron. Uh... I think I should just stop picking winners for the rest of the season. Oh, we can't do that. We just started my, we just started tabulating <laughs> points. We can't do yeah. that. No. No matter I think how I'm, bad either one of us do, you have to we have to do that. We'll we'll keep doing it, but I think I might as well just forfeit now. <laughs> That's not no. You still have to make a pick. No, I'll still make a pick, but I'm not racing for a win here. <laughs> But what if you do win? Then you really screwed up. I mean, you did do better than me in one race out of four this weekend. And granted, yeah, one out of four. Neither one of us. Well, no, I take that back. I picked the Arca winner because um, I did pick Gustine. But outside of that, neither one of us actually picked a winner. And real, really, neither one of us did that well. I mean, you got a top 10 in trucks. I got second in Xfinity, but other than that, we didn't do that well outside of my Gustine pick in Arca. Yeah. I mean, it's Daytona, though, so it Daytona's like throwing darts at a dartboard is what I always like to say. You you can't... If you do pick the winner, it's, it's extremely weird. Like, let me put it this way. The first... I think it was the first video I ever put on RNN. It was like a Daytona 500 preview for 2018. I was doing predictions and i picked austin dillon to win that race oh my god you're the austin dillon won that race you're the reason why <laughs> that's right <laughs> no, i mean this is like the first year william byron's even finished the 500 on the lead lap and he won the race so <laughs> yeah you know what's funny is kind to him. somebody was talking to me yesterday and they were like yeah i saw this this dude that won the 500 he wasn't really supposed to win it though was he like it, it the what I saw was that he he never had done very well in this race, and I was like, no, he's good. He's just had really bad luck in that race. Yeah, it's not like the Indy Five Hundred where you know the best car and driver usually wins the race. It it's I don't know. You could have had Justin Haley win his second race at Daytona this year. Yeah, exactly. And in just as bad of a car as he won in the first time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hate having daytona start the year off but it, it it is what it is yeah i mean it's still the super bowl of nascar even if it's become such a crapshoot i mean at least this year we got somebody who's actually a consistently good car and driver combination that i mean if it came down to skill every single time he'd be in contention for it every single time so i mean at least it feels like a fair winner this time yeah, I mean, this is a huge weekend for Byron and really for all of Hendrick Motorsports. 40 years to the day from Hendrick Motorsports' first Daytona 500. He wins it for the ninth time and ties Petty Enterprises for most all time. Conspiracy theorists are going to say it was rigged. Well, the finish of the race doesn't really help that. <laughs> no, especially when you when you think about how after... Hendrick told Chastain to calm down last year. Chastain flew under the radar for a long time. So you could, 
if you're a conspiracy <laughs> theorist, you could make the argument that Hendrick was pulling the strings there and told Chastain to do that. His All arm right, got so, itchy. So Chastain to the 48 after Bowman's gone, <laughs> confirmed. That's right. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think Chastain will probably stay where he's at, but I, I guess know. anything's I mean, possible. If he was given an opportunity at Hendrick, I don't think he'd pass it up. I don't think any of us would, really. Fair enough. <laughs> Hendrick is one Problem of those is. teams that practically every team has its ebbs and flows, but it seems like Hendrick is always on a high. They really never have a low year. Even their low years are still like they get a couple wins. Right. Like even those those couple of years after Gordon retired and it was literally Jimmy in his worst years and then three really young guys of Elliot Bowman and Byron. It was still they were still doing fairly well. Like it's not like what a low year would be for most teams. Or even like when they still had Casey Kane, you had Jimmy Johnson and Casey Kane battling it out for the Brickyard 400 in a year that they had no business competing for a win. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of those teams that no matter how bad they get, they've always been one of the elite teams. I mean, and you can't say that about any other elite team. Stuart Haas has had some very low years recently. Roush had some very low years Childress is more low years than it is good years. It just depends who's in the car. Um, that one's self-inflicted, though. It is very self-inflicted. I mean, outside of Earnhardt and Harvick, that team has never been that great. No. Don't They've worry, Austin Dillon is the leader of the, the cup team. Austin Dillon is the leader of that team. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That's right, which is very strange when you've got an a Hall of Fame level talent in the other car. What do you mean? You got a Hall of Fame level talent in the three right now. Oh yeah. The Watch he Hall of Fame talent the of holding spoons. Well he won the Daytona five hundred by trying to kill Eric Almarola. So. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Can you imagine if Eric Almarola had actually won that race? Yeah. I wonder Almost how did. Things, <laughs> well yeah. Can you imagine how things would have been different though? Like if Eric Almarola was a Daytona 500 champion. And not Austin Dillon. Yeah. <laughs> and that was... I don't know. I think that was Almarola's first race in the 10 car, too. Was it? I think it was. Huh. Yeah, it might have been. Pretty sure it was, yeah. Because, what, he was in the 43 and 17 mm -hmm. and then 18 went to the 10? Huh. Yeah, that would... Uh, that would have been quite the way to start off a relationship with Stuart Haas. <laughs> yeah, and maybe not led Haas to the position it's in right now. Right. Although I was fairly impressed with uh, Chase Briscoe some of the race. But, I feel like I mean, that's Josh Berry Chase Briscoe every race. Chase Briscoe is a really good driver. It's just they got a really shitty car right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, Stuart Haas has Josh, got to do something about their equipment. Josh Berry getting spun out on a green flag pit stop didn't really help. No, that didn't help. Noah Gregson just being there didn't help. Yeah, uh, Noah Gregson existing doesn't help that team. Yeah, and then Priest got taken out so early he didn't even have a chance to be competitive. He seemed like he was fast even with the damage because he was pushing guys around in the front, but yeah, never really got a chance to compete still lap down most of the time yeah 
after Harrison Burton got deleted on like lap five. <laughs> yeah, right. Who did he hit? That Eric was... Jones or something? I don't... No, I don't it wasn't. Remember. I don't remember Jones. how that wreck went. I don't know. It was like lap think, five and somebody got shoved out of the pack and came straight back up through the trioval. And got it might have been Eric Jones. I don't remember. Um, overall, though, outside of like stupid wrecks on lap five, it seemed like every race had a stupid wreck on lap five this weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> lap five, lap seven, lap four, something like that. Um, outside of that, of and outside of, outside of how dumb the finish was, I really didn't think this was a bad 500. Like, honestly, I think this is one of the best 500s we've had in a long time racing wise throughout the entire race. Don't worry. NASCAR disagrees with you. Oh, I'm sure they do. No, they're already investigating the fuel saving tactics for the race. Really? Yeah. Why? I guess they something about it's not in the spirit of the race. They want the drivers to go flat out to the finish every race. I'm like, dude, we had the best racing in the 500 that we've had in the past right. 10, 15 years, maybe. Just because they and, were going two seconds slower than they normally would have been to save fuel. And the whole pack agreed to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the so they spent all this time trying to get pack racing and all the big wrecks together. And then they have pack racing and don't wreck. And then they're like, oh, we can't have this. We got to go right. back to single file line around the top of the track for 100 laps. Yeah. I, 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 I don't even know what to say. Like. NASCAR like NASCAR. The, the Daytona 500 was surprisingly the one thing that's not broken this year, and now we, we got to fix that, too. Right? <laughs> like, the Xfinity race was not that exciting to watch. The truck race had its moments, but, I mean, it was the truck series, so it was just a wreck fest. And ARCA really wasn't that bad, other than Jake Finch dominating the whole thing until the last restart, but... I called that one early, by the way. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, we were getting ready to restart for overtime. It was like, yeah, the guys that have been leading the whole race are not going to make it. <laughs> well, oh, that's right. You did say, well. Gus Dean made said, it, but Jake yeah, Finch you didn't. Said, you said Gus Dean was going to be involved in that, too. And he probably would have been if he let Jake Finch down in line like he, they told him to. I was half right. I, that was better than any of the other four picks I made this weekend. <laughs> you also made that in the moment and not three days before. Yeah. I just think it's interesting how much three wide action we had in the 500 this year. I don't think I've seen them three wide that much in quite a while, if ever. No, they were really getting after it this year, which I was surprised by because like you said, most of the time in these super speedway races anymore, they just end up in a single file line around the top for most of the race. And that's all that happens outside of stage finishes. Yeah, I, I would say, like, regardless of what NASCAR says about the fuel saving stuff, the fact that it wasn't a single file train around the top of the track for 60% of the race makes this an automatic win for me. But the thing is, if they do come down with some ruling about the fuel savings, then we're going to go back to that. Yeah, which I... I hated that, and I feel like everybody else did, too. I mean, it was completely unwatchable for three quarters of the race. At least now things are happening. We're just going five mile an hour slower. See, and the weirdest thing is NASCAR has done all these things in recent years to limit the horsepower and make the cars slower. 
But when the competitors make the cars lower, slower willingly, oh no, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's our rules. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. I know Denny Hamlin said something about it in his podcast. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm interested to see what the drivers are saying about this. Because mm-hmm. everybody collectively agreed, let's just save fuel and run like this. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Just the single file around the top just made me angry with all the super speedway races recently things like this from nascar make me think that we're not far from a cart irl type split oh yeah that and the teams hiring the private lawyers and investigators against the series i i'm mm-hmm. i'm fully expecting some of the top teams to go make their own series and nascar be left with like arca yeah Basically, it wouldn't surprise me a bit. It really wouldn't, Um, because I I think we're heading in that direction. There's been a lot of universally agreed stupid decisions that NASCAR has made in recent years. You can tell the teams don't like it. You can tell the drivers don't like it. Eventually, there's going to be a straw that breaks the camel's back. And I think NASCAR keeps going close to that. NASCAR keeps going after all the TV money and not listening to the teams at all. And yeah, cart IRL NASCAR and everybody else. I don't know. Well, supposedly the teams are going to be getting more money next year with this new TV contract. I don't know how much more money. I just saw that they would be getting more. I caught you a dollar. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you gotta be quicker than that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can't be saving fuel. You gotta be quicker than that. (laughs) Yeah. What's next? They're going to put in like a super speedway rule where you get like X amount more money if you have a certain number of laps at a certain speed or some bullshit. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they've done things like that in the past. Um, They've they've incentivized um, leading at a certain lap or leading a certain amount of laps. I know as I've gone back through some of these NASCAR classics races, they'll there's been certain races where if you're the halfway leader, you'll get a bonus or like in the clash, they had it where like the clash was only like 20 laps back then, like in the early days in the eighties, but they would have bonuses. If you were leading on lap five, lap 10, lap 15. Yeah. The stage points weren't enough, I guess. We didn't have stage points in the eighties. Well, back then, but now, I mean, we've got the stages and everything else and, Oh, no, they were saving fuel trying to strategize and make it to the race in an efficient manner. Mm -hmm. Can't have that. No. (laughs) It just bugs me. It does make me wonder, though, if they had gone flat out the whole race, where would we have been on fuel at the end? Would it have become a fuel mileage race at the end? Maybe that's what NASCAR wants. Maybe they're... And I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Maybe they're thinking that by the teams doing this in the middle of the race, they're manipulating the end of the race and taking away something that could have been more exciting at the end of the race. It's not going to matter anyway, because somebody's going to wreck with under 10 to go. And then we're going to have a whole bunch of overtime finishes where inevitably somebody has to pit and everybody's pissed off that they didn't get to finish the race under green. Anyway, the argument to that would be, you don't know that there's going to be somebody wreck with 10 to go. Well, the teams don't know that it's going to turn into a fuel mileage finish at the beginning of the race. So what does it matter? Well, the teams don't want it to turn into a fuel mileage race. That's what they're trying to keep from. 
Uh, my favorite thing about it was that everybody collectively decided, let's just do this and not have to worry about it at the end of the race. And I know, they're like, right? okay. Like, <laughs> our history has every team in the middle of a race decided that this is what we're going to do collectively, and nobody went against it. Yeah, I mean, like, the manufacturers still tried to pit on different laps, and honestly, the green flag pit strategy that they had where guys trying to get to the bottom to pit – and then other guys going around him, staying out for a couple laps, keeping the draft together. I really like that. I, I can't remember too many times where we've had like big green flag pit cycles at Daytona, because usually the first group that pits, somebody wrecks, and then you know everybody else comes down under yellow. And I don't know. I liked having multiple green flag pit stops in this race. Yeah, no, it was nice. Uh, it added a little bit of extra strategy that we don't usually get in these races anymore. Cause like you said, a lot of times if we do get to the point where there's green flag stops, inevitably somebody will wreck coming onto pit road because they didn't woe it down enough. And then everybody else just ends up pitting under caution. And that's the end of it. Yeah. I don't know. I really like this Daytona 500. Once I actually got to watch it, this is probably the best super speedway race that I've watched in five or 10 years. No, I agree. I, at least five or 10 years. I, I'm trying to think. I think the last Daytona 500 that was this exciting was probably. Was it 2017, the year that Kurt Busch won when it came down to a fuel mileage race at the end? Mm, I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, that's the last one I can remember being that like anywhere close to this exciting. Yeah, and that wasn't even the entire race. Like, just this whole race was decent. Yeah. yeah. I only had a couple big crashes. It took until the very end of the race for the entire field to wreck. Yeah, it, it, it really pissed me off, me personally, that this race happened on Monday because I literally took the entire weekend off for nothing but Daytona. And then Saturday and Sunday ran into Monday, which was my one day at work at the day job before I had Tuesday and Wednesday off for my weekend. Oh yeah. So, I got, I lucked into a three day weekend and could have watched every series Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then cup and Xfinity race Monday. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's funny how that ends up working out that way. I burned what four, four vacation days when I really only needed to burn two. <laughs> or one even wow yeah such as well I, and, and i mean the, originally the plan was i was gonna go to daytona anyway and that got shot whenever i got so rudely rejected for my credentials but that's another story well now you said that you enjoyed them saving fuel and having green flag pit stops and not wrecking so you're yeah, never so I gonna get your credentials, credentials ever again <laughs> you can kiss those goodbye Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to get credentials. I'm not even going to be able to get a garage pass now. I said I enjoyed fuel saving and strategy. Yep. You're you're on the block list from NASCAR now. Domestic they see Tyler terrorism. Guthrie come up on a credential request. They're like, nope. Domestic terrorism. That's right. <laughs> you right. learn from the best. <laughs> oh, um, I guess Cendric is blaming Corey LaJoy for the wreck at the end of the race. What's that all about? I'm not really sure, to be honest. He's he's claiming that LaJoy peeking down underneath him going into the trioval was what caused that wreck, and that he got into him, and he was off-center. 
And that's why the wreck happened, which so every angle Ross, I looked at. Huh? So Ross Chastain driving into the side of Cendric was not the cause of the wreck. Right. Every angle I've looked at, one, yes, LaJoy did hit him at kind of an angle when Cendric came down and blocked him, but then he hit him again square in the back bumper. And then two seconds later, Chastain comes down and turns himself off of Cendric's nose, just completely hangs a left, no regard for Cendric being there at all. And I just, I don't see how in any realm of possibility that could have been Corey LaJoy's fault. I guess like maybe Cendric is thinking that LaJoy hitting him in the back moved him up the track into Chastain and that's why they wrecked. But it didn't, it, though, you, because if you, you can clearly see Chastain hang a left and try to go underneath Byron right into the side of Cendric. Right. And not only can you see Chastain hang a left, but if you watch the two car, the two car doesn't move. He is in the exact same lane the whole time. So yeah. Chastain is the one that does all the movements. And I think Chastain made a bigger move than what he meant to do because he starts left. And as he starts left, Byron starts left to block him. There was a hole there that he could have gotten into. Byron covered that hole just enough to where there wasn't a hole there anymore. So Chastain reacts in the moment and just keeps yanking it to the left and drives into Cindric. I think really regardless of Cindric being there or not, I think either Chastain or Byron was going to wreck there. Oh, absolutely. And Either Chastain was going to go underneath Byron and turn him, or he was going to hit Cendric. I think if that hadn't happened, and they had somehow all gotten through that, 99% chance Byron does not win that race. Oh, yeah, Chastain know. definitely would have won that. I, I don't know about that. I don't know if it would have been Chastain, but somebody other than Byron would have won it. Chastain, if he had somehow found his way into that hole, would have gotten the lead in that moment, but that doesn't mean he holds it for the entire lap. Yeah, I mean, if you're Byron at that point, if Chastain gets underneath you, there's so much of a gap to the next car behind Chastain that they're just going to go right around you on the top. Oh, yeah. Byron was done for if Chastain doesn't pull a Chastain in that moment. Chastain got a Chastain, dude. That's right. <laughs> he Chastained himself. We can't have a NASCAR race without a controversial Chastain moment. That's right. Um. So before we move on to the rest of the weekend, let's quickly recap where we're at in uh, our, I guess we'll call it our fantasy points um, sure. for after week one. To remind everyone, I picked Denny Hamlin for this race. You picked Brad Keselowski. Neither one of us did well, but I did better than you did. Um, That's not very difficult. <laughs> no, um, I come out of this race with 22 points. Uh, from Denny Hamlin, and you leave with four points from Brad Keselowski. I thought I was on a roll there towards the end of the race until Bowman did a Bowman. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> Keselowski uh, was going to the front until Bowman had something to say about it. Yeah. We got Chastain chastaining himself, and then Bowman Bowman's the rest of the field. Something interesting I caught at uh, Bowman's post-race interview. He finished second in the Daytona 500, which is like the biggest thing in NASCAR, and didn't really seem that bummed about it, which kind of surprised me. I, I guess it 
as an IndyCar fan, I, I'd see the interviews from the guys that finished second in Indy 500 the past couple of years. And like Erickson's calling out the series. This is bullshit. That's terrible. Why would you do that? And then like Carlos Munoz a couple of years, basically crying on pit lane. Cause he didn't win. And you got Bowman like, yeah, I mean, we finished second. It was a good team win. Good job. We'll come back next year. I don't know if that's like a level of importance difference between Indy and Daytona. Cause I don't know. It just felt weird to me. Well, and on top of that, if you watch Byron's post race interview, Byron didn't seem as excited as you would think he would be at winning in the biggest race in the sport. Like he didn't seem to have the excitement that that to your point, the guys in the five in the Indy five hundred seem to have when they win. Um, and I think this goes back to what we were talking about one of the previous episodes from this season. It was either last week or the week before after the clash. Um, how I think it's just a difference in the, the two sports at this point, like with IndyCar, the 500 is it, the 500 means more to win that than it does to win the championship. Whereas in NASCAR, the Daytona 500 is big, but at this point, it's almost just another race because the championship is the big prize at this point, even though. A lot of these guys are now saying the championships are so different now that they don't really care if they win a championship at this point or not. Um, I've heard multiple drivers say that recently, that they're not really concerned if they win a championship or not. It's about racking up the wins now. Yeah, I know Denny's been one of the big guys to say that, but I guess when you choke in a championship race every year, you get a little bit of a different perspective. I mean, Harvick said that in 2020 when he got eliminated at Martinsville, the year that he, as far as I'm concerned, won the championship. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... I will die on that hill. Harvick is the 2020 champion. You can have that hill, because I agree with you. I, I don't like this format at all, but... Yeah, it, it was just a weird thing for me, just because, I mean, I've been watching so many Indy 500s recently that you get to the end of the race, you've got, after Elio won his fourth, he ran the entire front straightaway, climbing up the fence, crying and everything. Yeah. And, like, you get Tony Kanaan when he finally won it and different things like that. And then Byron's, like, you can tell he's happy. And mm -hmm. I don't, maybe part of it was just not really understanding like, yeah, I actually did win the Daytona 500. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. it didn't seem like he was any more excited to win that than he would have than he would be this week at Atlanta, for example. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just a testament to how NASCAR has made their series now, because, I mean, you win Daytona and cool. Now you don't have to do anything until the playoffs now. Yeah, I, well, and that's one thing. When we get to the uh, the Nick Sanchez interview later, he that was another thing where I wasn't I was kind of surprised that he didn't seem as excited about a Daytona win either because I like the first thing I ask him is how's it feel to be a Daytona winner and he's just, he's just like well yeah it's great uh, I mean uh, he's like the bigger thing is I don't have to worry about wins at this point now I'm in the playoffs yeah <laughs> yeah I, I just the whole format makes the entire first probably half of the season just a moot point. Mm-hmm. It does. It absolutely does. And I mean, honestly, the entire first 85% of the season is really a moot point. 
if you run well enough that you can get into the playoffs, you don't need a win 99% of years. Um, the, was it, what year was it that we had 16 winners or maybe it was 15 winners? Was that last year or the year before? Yeah. One of the two. It was 2022. It was the first year of the next gen. That's right. We had so many different winners that year. It was 15 or 16. I don't remember how many winners we ended up with that year, but um, it was getting to the point where you were going to have to win if you were going to make the playoffs. Um, But most of the time, if you have a consistent enough season, you don't need to win to make the playoffs. And in fact, you really don't need to win. If you're running consistent enough that you made the playoffs without a win, you can continue running that consistently until like the round of eight. And you don't need to win until that point. Ryan Blaney showed that last year. Like, yeah, yeah. he won a couple of races before the playoffs, but he really wasn't much of a factor all season. And then all of a sudden he did exactly what you need to do with this format. He won a race in the round of eight and he won Phoenix. That's all you've got to do. Literally yeah. all you have to do. Just got to have a good car for Phoenix and one of the final four in, or one of the races in the round of eight. Absolutely. That's literally all you've got to do. And I, that's why I feel like this format almost never crowns a deserving champion. 2021, absolutely, Kyle Larson should have won that championship. That I will not deny at all. Um, but more often than not, it's not the driver that should have won the championship that had the best season. And that's just kind of what we're stuck with at this point. Is Ryan Blaney the 2023 champion? Yes. Under the format given, yes, he is the champion. Did he have a championship-worthy season? No. But it is what it is. It's what we're stuck with at this point until NASCAR finally opens their eyes and realizes we got to do something better than this. I think the teams are going to split off before that happens. They probably will. I mean, and that may be one of the sticking points that they split off because of. It very well could be. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, As for the rest of the weekend... Xfinity, honestly, I thought might have been the worst race of the weekend entertainment-wise. Um, there really wasn't a lot going on in that race. Had an interesting fuel mileage situation going on late in the race where you had, uh, who was it, Natalie Decker, Ryan Ellis, and I think it was Garrett Smithley was the other one that had stayed out for a long period of time and were leading the race with a couple other lap cars in a draft with them after everybody else had pitted trying for some sort of a caution fuel mileage strategy, which they got, and then the strategy didn't play out because nobody else pitted with them under caution. Um, But Natalie Decker led some laps in this race. Um, I don't think she's led laps in an Xfinity race before, so I think that's a first. Um, And ended up top 20, which in the car she was in, I don't know is that bad, to be honest. Um, So I guess kudos to Natalie Decker. Um, Jesse Love was very fast as well started on the pole, had a fast car then got caught up in a wreck um, so unfortunately didn't get to finish it off and show what he could do late in the race but I think he showed he's he's going to be a contender this year at RCR I'm still just worried he's going to get the Creed treatment um, what kind of pissed me off is um, they had Andy Petrie in the booth for this race and he at one point they were talking about Austin Hill and Andy Petrie is just like, oh yeah, he's he's such a nice guy. He's great with all the all of his teammates. He mentors them and blah blah blah. And I'm like, 
mentored you Creed right into the wall last year. You all proved that wrong at Martinsville. <laughs> he mentored be, Creed right into the wall. <laughs> don't be gaslighting me like that because I know that's not true. Yeah, I, I know that's not true. I don't believe a word that comes out of anybody from RCR. Not at this point, except for Jesse Love. I would believe anything Jesse Love said at this point. Um, and I I would have believed anything Sheldon Creed said last year. Um, but Austin Hill, Andy Petrie, Richard Childress, nope, don't believe it. No, it, it's a rotten organization from the top down. Surprisingly, one of the few good people in that organization is Kyle Bush, and I never thought I'd say that. So <laughs> I think we had this conversation last year. Can, can you believe Kyle Bush is like the – the best thing about RCR at this point, I don't, I'd almost call Jesse love the best thing at RCR at this point, but um, he's right up there with Kyle. We've at least got two decent, two decent things that aren't bad at RCR right now. Teenage me never would believe that I would say something good about Kyle Bush. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Austin Hill wins again, though, third straight year. He's won this race. Um, Sheldon Creed was right there, though. Sheldon Creed was making moves the last couple laps, had gotten to Austin Hill's bumper, and I think had everybody not deleted themselves down the backstretch, Sheldon Creed was going to make a play for that win and was probably going to beat Austin. Uh, Unfortunately, some very weird circumstances. I think NASCAR was just ready to be done and out of there, so... When everybody wrecked on the backstretch, they didn't throw a caution. So literally, it's just Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed at this point. There's nobody behind them for drafting help at all. And I think Creed assumed the caution had come out. So he lets off of it. Hill stays in the gas. By the time Creed realizes the caution's not out, he's already like 10 car lengths behind Austin Hill and can't do anything with him all the way to the line. So very weird circumstance. Unfortunately, Sheldon Creed didn't get a shot at it. I think he was going to win that race, though, if the entire pack didn't wreck down the backstretch, though. Yeah, that would have been something for Creed to jump teams and then beat the guy that, you know, took him into the wall at Martinsville. And I still think he can do it this week at Atlanta. I think Atlanta would be just as funny if he did it, since Austin Hill won this exact race at Atlanta last year. It was just a couple weeks later, but it wasn't the second race of the season, but um won the same race so i think it would still be just as cool if creed does it this week um so before we move on to trucks let's look at our xfinity picks for last week i picked sheldon creed so i was very close to a win got second 48 points there you had jesse love so you come away with 27 points so you got a little bit of hole to dig out of in both series but it's not terrible yeah we'll dig the hole a little deeper this week though i'm sure i'll pick some bad picks coming up here it'll happen um on to trucks big win for nick sanchez got wrecked early um in the wreck on lap seven or whatever it was but didn't really get any damage he got turned so he got a little bit of damage on the left rear but otherwise just slid it down through the grass didn't tear up the splitter surprisingly um they came down they fixed that left rear damage and um he was right back in it for most of the race um otherwise though I don't know if there's much to talk about from the truck race. Um, so before we go into um, hearing Nick Sanchez's thoughts from that race, um, oh, do want to give some shout-outs for finishes in that race. Spencer Boyd in his new uh, Murica team. Um, Murica. 
Burka. Uh, top five. So good run for Spencer Boyd. Brett Holmes in fourth. Good run for him as well. Stephen Parsons in the the ballpark Wienermobile comes home in sixth. <laughs> uh, Timmy Hill, Brian Doza, eighth and ninth. The so top tens for them. Good runs for them as well. Uh, I will say, this is why I hate stage points. Tyler Ankrum finished 11th in this race. But he leaves this race as the points leader. He got one more point than Nick Sanchez in this race. How did... How? What? If you if you didn't need any other reason to know that stage points are stupid, the guy that finished 11th in race one leaves with the points lead. I can't fathom the level of stupidity here. It's okay. Nick Sanchez won the race and now doesn't have to worry about stage points the rest of the year. Well, that's true. That is very true. Um, so... Uh, we'll look at our truck picks real quick from last week, and then we'll head into that interview. This is the one race you did better than me, because uh, I picked Corey LaJoy, um, and he got caught up in that last lap wreck and ended up in 20th. Uh, you had Christian Eckes. He was in an early wreck, but came back for a top 10 in 10th. So you got 39 points. I got 21. Um, so Tyler does lead now in the truck picks. And also, if you made picks last week, See where you are in relevance to us. Are you beating us? Are you not beating us? Let us know in the chat or the comments, depending on if you're watching the premiere or not. Um, But with that, let's slide over and see what Nick Sanchez had to say after this race, and then we'll be back to talk about ARCA. And we're now joined by Nick Sanchez, winner of Friday's Craftsman Truck Race from Daytona. How's it feel, man, to be a Daytona winner? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it feels good, right? I mean, the biggest thing, I don't have to worry really about points anymore in, in the truck series. So, yeah, it's cool to get the first win out of the way. Um, I've been looking for it for a while. So, uh, yeah, better well, late than never. Well, let's expand on that a little. You ran so well last season, came right out of the gate, had so many close calls, almost won. I mean, if circumstances had changed, you might be a five, six-time race winner already at this point after last season. And just circumstances kept you as the bridesmaid or you'd get into accidents or, or whatever the case may have been last year. So how does it feel to finally get that monkey off your back and to be able to have that first win now? Yeah, it feels good, right? And like you touched on, I mean, you know, I, I could tally up 12 or 13 races where we had a winning speed last year and it just didn't happen. A lot of it was probably my fault, um, just not executing races the way they needed to be executed. So uh, I knew coming into this year really wouldn't have a rookie excuse, right? You know, I got to go get the job done and do it. Um, I've got everything else. So, yeah, uh, Daytona, first one out, we did it. And, yeah, I mean, my goal this year is, right, to make up for all those races I missed last year. So I've got a ways to go. <laughs> well, let's talk about the the race itself there. You kind of lucked out early on. You got involved in that, what was it, lap seven wreck on the backstretch. But yeah. it seemed like you got out of that pretty well unscathed you get spun down into the infield but didn't really hit anything after that point uh did you think your night was over already at that point when that happened i mean in the moment where i got clipped and i was looking at the inside wall yeah i did and obviously when it was all said and done uh, i don't know how i just ended up uh with some left rear damage but my team fixed that pretty well and yeah i mean the biggest part of the truck obviously is like the front splitter and the downforce that makes etc and you know, we didn't 
you didn't really get any splitter damage from the grass, which I was really surprised about. So yeah, I, I guess I used up all my luck in, in, on lap six. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a weird, definitely a weird rack, right? Because it started like two rows behind me and it made its way up to me. Um, kind of like a domino effect. So yeah, it was definitely an interesting run of events for sure. Definitely. So as you got further into the race, tell us about the mid portion of your race, because I don't feel like I really noticed you at all during the mid portion of the race after that. And you just kind of came out of nowhere there at the end. Uh, what what was the mid portion of the race like for you? Were you just kind of riding, biding your time? No, I mean, I, I was going right. But uh, uh, I think stage two, I got two stage points. So I think I made my way up back to fifth or sixth by stage two. And then I got shuffled back. But all those cautions, right. I took the opportunity to just top off on fuel. Like I was pretty, I was pretty close on fuel at the end. So, um, I know a couple of the guys really didn't make it. So we, we just wanted to be, uh, in position for the last couple of cautions at the end. Right. So we didn't have to come top off then. And yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing we did not ride all race, even after that wreck, you know, we were, we fixed our damage and we went racing and it was just about right. Getting the right run and right momentum to get up there. Cause there was a lot of people that were kind of plugging up the lanes that I wanted to be in. And I believe I made my way up there. Um, I think on a three wide move with a couple other trucks. So um, after that, I was kind of able to get control of the race and uh, kind of do what I want at the end. So what does this win do for your confidence this season? Like we talked about, you finally shook that monkey off your back and got that first win. They always say the first wins the hardest and once you get that out of the way, they come easier after that point. So the speed you had last season and that you clearly had at Daytona, what does that do for your confidence this season? Does that make you a championship threat in your eyes? Um, I feel like it's not really my confidence as a driver because I feel like that hasn't changed. I do feel pretty confident in my abilities, but I think just knowing how to win is the biggest thing, the how to, right? You know, when you have all the pieces and you don't know how to put it together, uh, it's kind of a question mark. So, um, the how to is the biggest thing I got from it. Right. And, uh, like, like I've been telling everyone stage three is what I'm focused on this year. Right. Stage one and two is kind of neither here or there. And it works out perfect because we don't have to points race now. And yeah, I mean, I, I hope now I'm kind of, uh, taken as a championship threat. Um, I definitely feel that way. I'm, we almost made it there last year and, I don't, I don't want to say I didn't deserve it last year, right? But I didn't win a race. So it, it was kind of like, yeah, I want to go to the championship for, yeah, I want to compete for a championship, but I don't, I don't want to win the championship without a win. Uh, I'll take it, but like I, I want to win races, right? First and foremost. So um, this year I accomplished that right off the bat. And now, honestly, uh, I'm focused on Phoenix, focused on the championship, but I want to win every race in between now and then. Absolutely. So to, to end off here, let's, let's talk about, the overall big picture for you and how much it means for you to have the support you do from a team like Rev Racing. After you won the 2022 championship, there was a lot of questions about where would Nick Sanchez be in 23 and and what was the next step for you? And Rev had so much confidence in you that they started a truck team that they didn't have before that just for you and they've stuck with you for that. Like, what does that mean to have a team behind you that believes in you that much that they'll start a team at the next level for you? 
Yeah, obviously it means a lot, right? You know, Max Eagle's been there from the beginning with me uh, with Rev Racing, and, you know, he he's always wanted to expand into the National Series, and um, that was right around the time we started getting pretty good Chevrolet support uh, for, for Rev and the ARCA Series, and that kind of expanded uh, to the Truck Series. So it's pretty cool to obviously be the first one to drive for Rev in the National Series, and yeah, it's definitely, it, it was definitely an interesting time because there was a lot going on, you know, and, and a lot of the deal was not even really us, right? It was Kyle going to RCR and KBM going to Chevrolet. And obviously now that you look back at that and you kind of forget it even happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of dominoes that had to fall into place. Uh, obviously, Gamebridge was a big part of it. Um, a big reason it even happened, Chevrolet. So yeah, it was, it was an exciting time and glad it all worked out the way it did. Absolutely. Well, I think that's all I got for you today, Nick. So thanks for joining us today. As always, it has been a pleasure. Uh, Congratulations again on the big win at Daytona. I'm sure that won't be the last this season. Um, And good luck the rest of the season. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So that's what Nick Sanchez had to say after winning his, not only his first career race, but the first race of this season at Daytona, his first win at Daytona. Um, I think period, because I don't think he won at Daytona and Arca. So um, cool to see him finally pick up that first truck win and lock himself into the playoffs, because as he said, that seems to be the the more important takeaway here. Um, So, Tyler, uh, do you have any thoughts on that before we move into Arca? No, I'm just kind of surprised that the cup race was the best race of the season, or not the season, but the weekend. Yeah, I am too. Um, because I think it was either last week or the week before we that I had said something about. I think it was last week because I was talking about how Daytona should be a national holiday, um, and I said even if the race sucks because the Super Speedway package is terrible, it should still be a holiday. And the race didn't suck, so I don't know if we've no. got a better Super Speedway package this year or if it was just a fluke. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very it's much because they had strategy during a race. That's true, which apparently NASCAR doesn't like. No, we can't (laughs) have that. Yeah. Uh, But let's move on to ARCA now. Um, Big win for Gustine, third career ARCA win for him, the first at Daytona, his first since being with Venturini Motorsports on a part-time basis. Um, Good to see him win that race. I was really hoping, I'm sure the team is not happy about it, but they asked both crew chiefs, both his crew chief and uh, Jake Finch's crew chief on the last caution if they were going to do a teammate restart and if he was going to let Jake down in front of him and let them settle it amongst themselves. Both crew chiefs said that was the plan. Gus didn't do that, Uh, which I am so happy he didn't do that because that would essentially have given the win to Jake Finch. He'd have never gotten enough momentum up in one lap to where he'd have gotten back around Jake for the win. So I'm glad he he went for it. He was like, no, this is Daytona. I'm not just going to let him have this win. I know what's going to happen if I let him down in front of me on this restart. If he wants it, he can earn it. And I like yeah. that. That made the end of that race 10 times more entertaining than it would have been otherwise. Absolutely. Because that's the thing. Like I've complained about these uh, one-lap restarts in the past in ARCA, which... 
they limit it to one attempt at Daytona and Talladega also so that they don't just keep wrecking the entire field. So you knew this was it. It was one lap, but there was not going to be another restart. And I've complained about that in the past, and I think most of the issue with that has been we've gotten teammate restarts from Venturini. They let whoever's in the outside lane down onto the inside, and nobody can do anything with them. And it's just those two single file all the way to the line, and that's the finish to every single Daytona and Talladega race recently, unless there's no Venturini cars in the front. And when you have a one-lap restart where they don't do that, that's when it can actually be decent. They're not up to speed yet, but they can still race. Yeah, or like have a two-lap restart or something like that, like they do in Cup with the overtime. But, I mean, Jake Finch is going to win other races this year. Mm -hmm. Gustine, part-time schedule, this is probably the best chance he had to win a race. I'm glad he went for it. And regardless of what repercussions the team gives him, he won the race. Fair and square. I mean, I don't like that they said, oh, yeah, we'll do the team restart, and then didn't because that looks kind of shitty. But... Mm -hmm. I'm glad they didn't do it because that would have been a really boring end of the race. Well, the thing is, I think the team wanted to do the restart. And then Gus said, or Gus may have even told them on the radio, he was going to do it. And then just said, screw it on the restart and went for it. Um, because that's what they wanted. They wanted that Venturini one, two safe finish is what the team wanted, which I don't blame them for wanting that, but that kind of kills the finish for the fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the point, but as a fan, I never want to see that. No, absolutely not. And and we've had it way too many times in these races. A couple years ago, I think it was 2022. It was, um, or maybe it was 21. It was the year that Drew Dollar was full-time in the 15. Ooh, um, Drew Dollar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh that's a name i don't want to remember um he and Corey heim were starting on the front row heim had dominated the race drew had damage though um and was not going to be competitive for the win but was restarting second so he knew he wasn't gonna win if he tried so he literally did the teammate restart and let Corey down and basically was the blocker for Corey and let Corey win that race. Venturini teammate restarts are not new, but they are not fun from a viewer, fan, anybody perspective. They're only fun from a Venturini perspective. Looking like Ferrari in the mid-2000s. <laughs> right? Um, the other thing that happened in this race, we had some more drama within the Venturini camp that also involved Gustine, but really shouldn't have involved Gustine, uh, the early on lap four had a wreck going into turn one. I don't remember who it was. Somebody got into the back of Gus Dean and got him sideways, which turned him left into his teammate, Tony Bridinger, which shut off a major wreck into turn one. Gus obviously kept going, didn't have issues. Tony did not, as did most of the other cars in the race three of the five Venturini cars were in that wreck Tony Amber Balkan and Chris Wright were all in that wreck um they asked Tony they talked to Tony after she came out of the care center after that and she held nothing back in 
saying that it was Gus's fault and she couldn't believe he made that kind of a stupid move. It's lap four. Uh, this is why he's not in a tr- he wasn't in a truck earlier today and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, have you not seen a replay? That was not Gus's fault in the slightest. He wasn't intentionally moving to the left. Somebody got in the back of him with a bad push, and he was trying to gather the car up. But yeah, then apparently. They, these super speedway tracks, all that matters, it's not your talent as a driver. It's whoever's behind you. Mm-hmm. Well, and then it got deeper than that because then she goes on to MRN on the radio and starts calling him all these names and all these slurs and blah, blah, blah. And I, like, it got even worse. Like, she was holding even less back on the radio. And... She she was calling him some things, we'll put it this way, that um, at least one driver, I think more than one driver, have gotten sensitivity training for in the past. So that'll be interesting to see if she does get that from this, because if we're being fair and someone else in the past has, she should too, especially when she's just throwing all this stuff out and hasn't even seen a replay being completely uneducated about what happened, just assuming that he drove down across her nose and pulled a Chastain when he didn't. Yeah, I mean, we've seen people get sensitivity training for even less than this, I think. So mm-hmm. I, it, I think Kyle Busch did this a couple years it ago. It was Kyle Busch, that's right, training. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see how much pull being a spokesperson of Toyota now has for her, but... I mean, fair is fair. She should get it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't understand the hate for Gustine on that one. Um, I don't think he did anything wrong. It's just all you got to do is get a push in the wrong place from somebody. And there there goes the field, which is why I hate Daytona and Talladega now. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I hope someone has talked to her. I just looked before we started here and I didn't see where she had made any sort of public apology for this. So apparently she still thinks she was in the right. And I'm hoping, although I'm not confident that someone has gone to her and said, Hey, you need to calm down. You weren't right here. And you're just going out here, slandering your teammate when you had, didn't even have all the facts and you weren't right. Yeah, I'd maybe get it if it was not a teammate and somebody that she'd had issues with before, but mm-hmm. it's Gus Dean, a teammate on a part-time schedule. Maybe just don't. Right. Like, it just it's not a good look. And I no. get it if, like, Gus really did pull a Chastain and just drive down into her. I, I, would, I would get being upset, but... Yeah, but then all you say in your interview is it's disappointing that we got taken out by somebody. We'll go get him next week. You don't do all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got to learn, even in a situation like this, even if she was right, she's got to have more tact than that. Yeah. It's not a good look. Even if she is right, it's not a good look for her to be going on and on about Gus, teammate or not. You you got to take the high road. You've got to be more professional. and. That's just not what she did. It's not not even close to what she did. There's a lot more to being a race car driver than just driving the car. And it's disappointing how many 
really big talents we've seen come and go just because they don't understand that. Right. Now, granted, I want to see drivers with personality. I don't want to see everybody be robots like the Hendrick drivers, but <laughs> I, <laughs> there's a difference there's, between personality and being stupid though. Right. And, and that's what this comes down to. Like I'm all for her showing personality and, and being who she is, but you cross a line whenever you start slandering your teammate for something he wasn't the cause of and that he didn't do. Yeah, I mean, if Kyle Busch wasn't the ridiculously awesome driver he was in the late 2000s, early 2010s, he would have gotten kicked out of the sport so fast for some of the things he said and did. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the only reason he's still around is because he's as good as he is. Yeah, and some people just don't have the driving to back that up. Nope. She hasn't up to this point. Now, granted, I'll give her credit. She was better last year than she has been in the past, but it still being wasn't better than your previous to back years. up being talking like that. Yeah, backing or being better in your previous years doesn't really get you very far when NASCAR says to go to sensitivity training. But I was better than I did last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So our ARCA picks for last week. I obviously come out with the win here because I picked Gustine. Um, so I leave with 47 points. Um, Tyler did not do so hot picking Shane Van Gisbergen, SVG. Um, or I did Mikey, better than I thought it was going to. Sorry, as Mikey called him in the Xfinity race, Shane Van Giesbergen. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll take the 15 points. That is a lot better than I thought it was going to get Friday. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so... That's where we stand in our ARCA picks right now, leaving Daytona. Before we get to this week's Atlanta picks, Tyler, I believe you have some IndyCar and F1 stuff to talk about. Yeah, today was the first day of F1 preseason testing. We're recording this on Wednesday, so I guess it'd be yesterday by the time this comes out. Um, Everybody's shocked to learn that Max Verstappen was fastest. But I, I don't know, yes. F1 preseason pre testing is just kind of dumb anyway, because you never know which teams are actually trying to do fast laps or not. And you don't learn anything until probably Q3 of the first race of the season. So take it with a grain of salt. A lot of drivers that had not so great cars last year are saying their cars are better this year, which, while that may be true, maybe the Red Bull is just better than them being better. I don't know. Uh, I, encouragingly, the Ferrari drivers and the Mercedes drivers both say that their cars are way easier to drive and feel faster than they were last year. So maybe we'll have at least a little bit of competition this year. We'll see. Has the whole Christian Horner thing been sorted out yet? No, they're still in the middle of that. I haven't really been keeping up with it because he just seems like the kind of person to do that kind of stuff anyway. I don't even know what he's in trouble for. I, I haven't looked uh, that far into it, to be honest. I'm pretty sure it's uh, harassment of an employee at Red Bull. Oh, okay. which I mean, he just kind of looks like that. So <laughs> I'm going to abstain just... from commentating on that. Um... Christian Horner ain't watching this. <laughs> 
Well, I don't care if he is or not. I'm still going to abstain from commenting. Nah, well, I, I guess we'll see. I don't want to pass judgment too quick, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Red Bull if he... There's a possibility he gets forced to resign if... Mm-hmm. If, like... Does does he have charges that can be brought against him? Is that what's happening? Yeah. So basically, from my understanding, when the whole situation started, the legal team representing the other side of this said, either you can resign or we'll press charges. And he decided not to resign. So then I think they're going to press charges, but there's like an internal investigation inside Red Bull, which seems kind of one-sided if you've got the team investigating the team principal. But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> They're probably hoping that they can come up with something internally that they can just bring back and say, hey, we we check this and we're sure that he's in the clear. You don't have to check anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, That's pretty much it for F1 right now. Uh, okay. More preseason testing this week. Uh, it, it's F1. All the driver moves were decided like last year, middle of the season. So there's. Not a whole bunch. I guess we'll go racing here in a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, hell, we already Indi- know where Lewis is going to be next season. We haven't even turned a wheel for this season yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's not like NASCAR and IndyCar are silly season. Mm-hmm. But uh, moving on to IndyCar, not much news right now. They announced a couple paint schemes this week. Uh, a couple of the Ray Hall cars. Um, Stingray Rob has a new paint scheme that looks hideous. <laughs> uh, Pelot's new DHL paint scheme is announced to it's nice to see DHL have a different paint scheme because they're not under Andretti anymore. It's they can actually do their own paint scheme. It's not very great, but it's different. Um, and then uh, after Dave Malukas broke his hand and needs surgery, Callum Eilat will fill in at McLaren for the preseason test at Homestead Miami, which I'm disappointed they're testing at Miami and not racing at Miami. Hey, like I said before we started, this may be opening the door for them to race at Homestead in the future. Yeah, I know I was talking to you about this before we started recording, but I've been watching like the 2008 IndyCar season, mm-hmm. and I think two-thirds of the series that year was oval races, and now we have, what, Iowa, Milwaukee, Indy, Nashville only because the Titans are building a new stadium and we lost Texas this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we've fallen a long way, but still love IndyCar. Now, did the decline of ovals, did that happen because of the Dan Weldon crash? I don't think it was like that helped get rid of a lot of ovals between him and Stefan Wilson, because Stefan Wilson's the reason why we don't go to Pocono anymore. Between him and oh, Robert right. Wickens in such a short time period. They said, nope, we're not doing it anymore. Okay. Um, so that's automatically one of the big ovals off schedule. But, I, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of one of those things when NASCAR started getting a little less popular in the 2010s. IndyCar just stopped going to these tracks, too. I don't know if that's like a causation or not. Some of them, um, I forget what the company is, but the the company owns a bunch of ovals for NASCAR. Um, that IndyCar SMI. used to race it. Yeah, SMI. They own a ton of tracks in NASCAR that IndyCar used to go to, and now they won't let IndyCar go there anymore. Hmm. 
Well, Homestead is not an SMI track. That is a NASCAR-owned track. Yeah. They used to race at Homestead every year. It was either the first mm-hmm. race or the last race of the season, and now they haven't done it. And they haven't done that in a while. It's probably been since about 2011 since they've raced at Homestead. Because hmm. I don't think they raced there since they got the DW12 in 2012. Yeah. But, Maybe they should yeah. change that. I agree. I I really like IndyCar Opal races. It's I'm not a fan of the pack racing that they used to have. I think that was kind of a disaster waiting to happen, which <laughs> it did. Um, but yeah, I mean, more Opal races, more diversity, the better. I, I think a lot of these guys don't really know how to race ovals anymore because the only one they need to is Indy, and they get a whole week of practice for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I will say, circling back to the Dan Weldon crash, um, I know we've talked a lot of shit about Marty Reed on here, um, and I have talked a lot of shit about him in the past. Um, the one time I actually had respect for Marty Reed was the way he called the end of that broadcast after they had found out that Dan Weldon died. Um, I still remember that to this day. If you haven't seen it, once we're done on here, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Go look it up. Um, that was the most professional with tact, um, well put together um, few minutes I've ever seen out of Marty Reed. I don't. He never topped that after that point. I don't think. Yeah, it was definitely one of the darkest days of any car sport. Yep. Three races from Atlanta this weekend. We'll start with trucks. Trucks and Xfinity are both on Saturday, Saturday doubleheader, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern for trucks, the Freight 208. Tyler, who you got? I'm a broken record this year. I'm going to Christian Eckes again this week. Just this year? You're, you're pretty much always a broken record. And we've only, this is only the second year we've done this. Come on. You were a broken record last year too, though. Yeah, well, maybe. It wasn't we'll Eckes, just... it was Zane Smith. The record was only together for like the first couple races of the season last yeah. year. And now it's just broken and stuck on the same guys. But I think Christian Eck is pretty good at super speedways or drafting tracks. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he's won Atlanta since they've gone to this he won, configuration he won this race last year. Yeah. So that was his first race with McAnally or his first win with McAnally. I don't know. I think he'll go two in a row for Atlanta. Last year, this year, I feel pretty good about it. In fact, the Eckes truck that you can see in the background back there, that is the Atlanta win from last year. Maybe if he, if he wins this race, I might get diecast for this one. I don't know. And that's the only race win they did for him last year because he won like four races or something, but that was the only one they did for him last year. DNP is not enough pre-orders. Yep. Um. Okay, so I am... Not going to be a broken record. I don't think I've picked him very much in the past, oddly enough, for truck races, but I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. First race in a Spire truck uh, since Kyle Busch Motorsports is no more for the first time in a long time. Um, He's going to be in the seven truck this week for Spire. I think Kyle Busch goes out and wins his first race with Spire. Xfinity will follow the trucks on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern, the Raptor King of Tough 250. Tyler, who you got? Oh, boy. Uh, I, I mean, broken record again here, I guess. Uh, I'm going to go with Austin Hill. He won Daytona last year and then followed it up with Atlanta 
at the next drafting track win that he got. Um, I think back-to-back RCR cars are pretty much unstoppable on these types of tracks, and Jesse Love burned me last week, so I'm going to go with Austin Hill this week. All right, fair enough. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that ran decent in this race last year. I say decent. He finished ninth. Um, He got better throughout the season and eventually won four races to end the season and make the championship four. I think Sam Mayer kicks off the season in a better way than he did at Daytona. Got caught up in a wreck at Daytona, but I think he's going to go out and win his first race of 2024 at Atlanta. All right, on to Sunday, race number two for the Cup Series for 2024, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Xfinity and Trucks are both on FS1, by the way. I don't think I said that. 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox on Sunday, the Ambetter Health 400. Tyler, who you got? I'm going to go with Ross Chastain this week. He showed in Daytona that he can race on these drafting track, restrictor plate tracks, whatever. He's really good. It's a matter of time until he wins one of these style of races, and I think he gets it done this week at Atlanta. As a bonus point, Daniel Suarez finished second in this race last year at Atlanta. So... Trackhouse oh, has shown right. they can be good. I forgot how good he was in this race last year. I do remember uh, Suarez being extremely fast in this race last year. I forgot about that. Yeah, Trackhouse has shown they can bring good car for this race, and I think Chastain will get it done. All right, fair enough. Um, I'm going to go with someone who has shown he's been very good on super speedways or drafting tracks um, in the past few years. Didn't do well in this race last year. Ended up five laps down at the end of the race. I'm assuming had some sort of a problem, but I don't remember what it was now. Uh, Five laps down in 27th last year. I think he improves on that mightily this year. And I think Bubba Wallace picks up his first win of 2024 and locks himself into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's good at super speedways. He is. Um, I mean, his first win came at Talladega and I I know there's a lot of people that say that win doesn't count because it was rain shortened or whatever. I, He was in the front. It's not like he didn't have a good race. He put himself in position to be in the lead when the rain came out. So you can discredit that all you want, but he did win at Talladega in 22? 21. It was 2021. Yeah, because it was still the old car. Yes, that's right. Um, Yeah, because it was 2021 he won at Talladega. 22 he won at Kansas in the fall, and then he didn't win last year. That's right. Okay, so that is going to be it for us this week, I think. Tyler, any final thoughts heading into Atlanta? That's all I got. Tyler Guthrie, man of few words. That'll do it for us this week, though. Uh, We'll see you again next week. Might have some interviews in the first part of this week, like we did the Nick Sanchez interview. Uh, Just keep an eye out for that. If not, uh, we'll see you again next week for this. Same time, same place. At that... I'm Garth, that's Tyler, and this is the Rookie Stripes Podcast on Racing News Now.